Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. God is always at work even when you don't know what he's doing. Did you know that? <laughs> he's always at work. He's always up to something. And he's always working to see to it that we're conformed to the image of Jesus. And tonight I want to talk to you about the day after the word. You know, you come, you, you get a prophecy. It sounds so good, doesn't it? Oh, praise God. God's going to do this wonderful, wonderful thing. And you go home and you're just floating on a cloud because of this awesome thing that God has said. And I want to talk to you about what happens after that. Let's start with 1 Timothy chapter 1. You know, most prophetic words are not fulfilled immediately. Some of them are. You can read, you know, some examples of the scripture when a decree was made and something immediately manifested. But usually there's a lapse of time from the time that the word was spoken and then it manifests. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 18, it says, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. So it's fighting the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience. You know, why is that? It's because prophecy is conditional, right? Just because it is declared doesn't mean that personal word that you or I received is automatically going to happen. And so that's why the scripture encourages us to fight the good fight of faith there. And the implication is... That if God gives us a prophetic word, there's something that we do that cooperate, cooperates, or yeah, I've been talking for a while, haven't I? <laughs> cooperates or responds or agrees with that word that's come forth. Sometimes people get a word, they go, okay, well, let's just see what God does. Well, generally speaking, that means nothing's going to happen because God is looking for partnering. He's looking for cooperation from us to respond not like we actually believe that what he's spoken was going to happen. You know, I've often given the analogy that if you get words about you're going to travel around the world, you need to go get a passport. Getting a passport shows God you believe that word's going to happen, right? If you don't believe, if you don't believe you're, you're going to ever travel the world, you have no reason to go get a passport. Isn't that true? So it is implied that we are to do something to cooperate. And notice he says here to fight the good fight and to keep faith. Because some people have rejected that. Some people have not held on to faith or a good conscience. And so the, the fact that we have to fight, this means that there is a challenge that is coming. So understand, when you get your prophetic word and God says, I'm going to move in your life and I'm going to do A, B, C, D, whatever it is, Right on the heels of that is coming a challenge. Right on the heels of it. And the thing is that you and I really need to know that. We need to be wise and realistic about these things so that we're not surprised when the challenge comes. What happened, what the word says here is therefore we need to hold on to the promise. Paul said, Timothy, in according to the, the prophecies that are previously made, those ones we spoke to you last week and last month and last year, hold on, fight the fight so that the things that were prophesied to you in the past will actually manifest in your present or in your future. Amen? So what usually happens is you and I get a prophetic word and then everything goes south. You know, that's what generally happens. You get prophetic word about be being healed, 
and then you get more bad news from the doctor. You get prophetic word about being you know, financially prosperous, and then what happens? You lose your job or your business tanks or whatever. You get, you get words about you know, your kids are going to, the prodigal son is going to come home, and what happens? He goes off and just does some wild, crazy thing that looks like he is moving further and further away from what God has. And you and I need to understand that that's normal. It's normal when you get prophetic word or revelation that it's going to look worse before it looks better. And nobody likes that, but it's a fact of life. And so that should actually, if we understood things of the Spirit, that would encourage us a little bit. Because when it starts looking bad, that means, okay, it's looking bad now because it's going to be looking good later on. <laughs> Folks, you know, the thing is, we have to understand spiritual principles and spiritual law. And so much of the time when we have, we have gotten offended or we've gotten our feelings hurt or we've gotten disappointed, it's because we have not understood the whole process. And so I wanted to talk to you tonight about that process because your prophetic word starts something in motion. You see, God speaks a prophetic word to you because there's something he wants to open your heart and your eyes to about your future. He's got a plan for you, and he wants you to open up to believe it and to receive it. But you know what? You and I are not ready to walk in the fullness of those prophecies that we've received. We think we're ready. Like, oh, God, I've been waiting for that word. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Guess what? God says, you ain't ready. You ain't ready. You think you're ready. You ain't ready. You know what? When the children of Israel moved out of Egypt... They were promised to go into their own land. They thought they were ready, didn't they? They thought they were ready. They thought, we'll be there in a couple of weeks. It'll be all right. But God says, you ain't ready. You guys have been slaves for 400 years. You don't know how to be a governed nation. You don't know anything about what God requires. You know, all you know is slave mentality. You guys don't know how to fight. You guys don't know how to solve your problems. All you know is, you know, being a slave. And folks, you and I, we get prophetic words. And we think, well, God, when's it going to happen? You know, I'm ready. I'm ready. God, you know I'm ready. And he says, you ain't ready. You ain't ready. you got a slave mentality. Maybe you've got a mindset that God is working to break, to free you up so that you can walk in that thing. I'm telling you, that right there is a word for several of us tonight. Much of the time, what God is doing is he's trying to break the mindsets that you and I have stubbornly held on to. And it's that very mindset is what is keeping you out of your prophetic fulfillment. And God is working so hard to break something off of us. And a lot of times we are holding on desperately to the wrong thing. You know, we're holding on desperately to opinions and ideas. When God says we need to hold on fast to the prophecy that we got. And hold on fast to the nature of God. Hold on fast to His truth. And there are some things that are going to be broken off and change in the process of that. You know, most people hate change. Most people resist change. But for us to walk in the fulfillment of our words, there's going to have to be change. The Bible says in Psalm 105, 19, speaking of Joseph, it says, Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord will try, King James says, try or will test each one of us. And so that word that Joseph got, you're going, he, remember he had the, the dreams. There was Joseph the dreamer. He dreamed about the sun and the moon and the stars, you know, bowing down before him. You know, he had dreams of prominence, of leadership, of glory, of authority. And what happened? He wound up in prison. I mean, things went bad really fast. You know, his he, he dreamed about his brothers basically bowing down to him. And what happens not too long after that 
is he's looking up to his brothers because he's in the pit, you know, looking up to them. Those guys threw him in there, you know. So it didn't look too good. But it was the path that God was getting him on to bring him to the fulfillment of his prophetic word, the fulfillment of the revelation that he had from God. So the word tested him. I'm here to tell you tonight that the path to the prophecy's fulfillment is testing. I know we wish it was just going to be magic, abracadabra, boom, there it is. But the path to that thing being fulfilled is testing. And so much of the time, the testing is the place to where we have dropped the ball. It's the place where we have failed. And that's how come we have not many times seen our prophetic words come to pass. God is gracious and merciful. He lets us try it one more time. And then a second time, a third time, a fourth time. You know, God will let you go through it over and over again until you get it. Because he's trying to let us get it. Some of the things that you and I, we have been like, God, how many more times have we got to go through this? Until it gets broken. Until you get free. Until you're in a new place. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the Israelites had to go around the mountain, you know, one more time. One more time. What was God trying to do? Kill them? (laughs) He's trying to break things off of them. He was trying to change your mentality. He was trying to get them a, a new way of thinking, a new way of living and behaving. The prophecy is going to be fulfilled in the time of testing. Another thing that we need to understand about our prophecy You know, God has put us in the body of Christ, many members, as it has pleased Him, the Scripture says, correct? Do you know that your prophetic word and its fulfillment is dependent in the context of relationships? It's in the context of relationships. You know, if God gives you a word about He's going to heal you and raise you up and give you a healing ministry, that's in context of the relationships of the body of Christ, right? If He gives you a word about He's going to make you financially prosperous, It's in the context of the body of Christ. There are so many people that want to take the prophetic word and think that my word only applies to me and it doesn't apply to anybody else. If God's given you a healing ministry, there's people that you're going to need to interact with so that you can release that healing ministry, right? If God's promised to make you prosperous, then there's going to be either people that you need to employ, hire, or maybe you need to give to or support. Maybe there's an orphanage he wants you to build. You know, it's going to be in context of other people. You know, we can have, we can be crying out and praying to God for an answer to prayer. That God has given that answer to somebody else. Much of the time, we want him to just rain it down from heaven. God, just send it from heaven. But what does he usually do? He uses other people to meet the needs that we have, right? You know what, if you're lonely, yes, you can have a relationship with God, but you know how God wants to fix that? With people, right? If you've been hurt and offended by people, if you're afraid to trust anybody again, you can go to God, and many people do that. I'm going to go to God because he's the only one I can trust. He's the only one that's good. He'll never fail me. And God goes, okay, but after a while, you're going to have to come back down off the mountain and go be where the people are. If you were wounded in relationships, you also get healed in relationships, okay? So the fulfillment of our prophetic word is always going to be in context of the community of the body of Christ. Let's look over Exodus chapter 4. There's a very interesting story here. You don't hear it talked about a whole lot. But you know that God had given Moses tremendous revelation and tremendous prophetic word. The Bible says that he spoke with Moses and a man speaks with his friend. He spoke with him face to face. And in Exodus chapter 4, verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, 
When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel my son, my, is my son my firstborn. So I said to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Now that's a tremendous revelation to get, right? Tremendous prophetic word. Next verse. Now it came about at the lodging place in the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. God just gives Moses... This tremendous prophecy tells him, go to Pharaoh, and then says, I'm going to kill you, though. (laughs) I'm going to meet you at the end and kill you. Why? What was going on? You know, that God was after everything in Moses that stood in the way of of him fulfilling his destiny. And the problem was, if you read the story in the full story, what happened was Moses had never circumcised his sons. And here he is going to go out as God's representative and saying, God sent me, but he didn't have things right with God in his own house first. And so the Lord was going to stop, was going to meet him at the end to kill him. That's wild. Because see, actually, God was going to strike the firstborn of Egypt. But Moses had to get his act in gear first. He had to get things done right first. Do you know that prophecy or revelation from God will lead you to confrontation? It will lead you to an encounter with God. It will lead you to confrontation. Everything that stands between you and your prophetic word being manifested or being fulfilled, God is going to put his finger on it. He is going to address the issues that stand in the way of you seeing that thing fulfilled. And guess what? It's going to be a time of confrontation. And what God's after is killing the thing that stands in the way of you receiving your word. You know, God is serious when he releases prophetic revelation. He's talking about our future. He's talking about what he's dreamed for our lives and what he's dreamed for his church and what what wants to manifest, what he wants to see come, right? And so if there's stuff inside of you and me that's keeping that thing from happening, he's going to address it and there's going to be confrontation. So when you and I get our prophetic word, generally what do we do? We take that thing home, we play the recording again, or we go home and we write it out and we meditate on it, stick it in our Bible so we can look at it over and over. Oh God, hallelujah, it's going to be wonderful when this thing manifests. And then what happens is God starts dealing with us about stuff that stands in the way of us fulfilling that thing. You know, God gives you, uh, says he's going to call you to healing ministry. And so what happens is your physical symptoms get worse and God starts talking to you about, do you believe my word? You start entering into a faith test. Maybe he also moves upon you, do you have compassion for people who are wounded or do you judge them for being sick? You know, God says he's going to bring prosperity to you. And so then what does he do? He starts dealing with, why do you want it? Why do you want it? To consume it upon your own flesh? Why do you want it? You know, God will deal with motives. He'll deal with attitudes. He'll he'll deal with all kinds of things that will be a hindrance to us seeing our prophetic word fulfilled. He will start dealing with personal agendas. And during that time, we'll need to start laying them down. He will also start dealing with pride, ambition, and a lack of real servanthood. Let's find a quieter toy for the baby. Okay, thank you. The... The thing is that 
lots of times when God tells us this wonderful thing He wants to do with us, we get all excited about how good, we're going to be a blessing to the body of Christ. I'm going to have a healing ministry. I'm going to have a preaching ministry. I'm going to have a homeless ministry. I'm going to do whatever. It's going to reach out and bless a whole lot of people. It's going to be wonderful. And then God starts dealing with you about your own lack of real servanthood. You know that a lot of times God will call us to a vision, but he first tells us to fulfill somebody else's vision. You know, our vision gets fulfilled after we have been working to fulfill somebody else's. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand that principle, so what do they do? They get a vision, and they go off and leave the church. They can go do their own thing. It's like, no, the, you got it backwards. It is you lay your life down and build somewhere else, and then you get your own. That's a principle of life, okay? But you see, God will start dealing with all those things. that are a real lack of servitude. There's a lot of people that they'll serve, but only, in certain, only on certain parameters. I only do this, and I only do that. You know, don't ask me to do these other things that are outside of my comfort zone. But God is wanting to deal with all those things. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. We understand that we are called together in God's army for his pleasure and for his purpose. And so as Paul is telling Timothy, you go, remember, you're a soldier. So stand up like a soldier and endure and fight through and overcome some things. And don't get tangled up in stuff that doesn't really count for anything. Standing up like a soldier, it's also that same terminology of fighting the good fight. It speaks of there's going to be opposition, there's going to be challenge that you and I need to overcome. You know, we've seen um, a lot of times, you know, we think that we're further along than we are. We think that we're more mature. We think that we're more ready. We think our hearts are more pure than they really, really are. And it takes the Lord putting us in situation to kind of shine the light on what's really going on. You know what? You can think you're a pretty good Christian. Everything's going just fine until. How many of you have ever been a little bit appalled or surprised at what you learned about yourself when you got in a difficult situation? I have. I've all been kind of disappointed. Oh, man. I didn't know that was in there, you know. I can't believe how petty I'm being. I can't believe how selfish I am. I can't believe how carnal I am, God, you know. And it's because you don't see those things unless you get put in a situation that's designed to reveal them. And if you think you've got it all perfect and all together, I encourage you to fast tomorrow. Because after about the second day, the third day of fast, we're going to find out how spiritual you are. Isn't it true? What happens when you go on a fast? You start getting irritated, don't you? Start getting an irrit irritated mood. What happens if you don't get enough sleep? Yeah. You know, what kind? What are you? Are you ready to praise God? Hallelujah! Let's believe God. Or you want to snap somebody's head off? You know? How about when somebody hurts your feelings a little bit? Is there something that rises up inside of I'm going to retaliate? I'm going to make them pay? You know, so much time we just think, well, I'm just. That's just justice. I'm just, no, that's called carnal. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we want to paint it up and make it dress up and look it real nice. But the truth is it's carnality, it's pride, it's ambition, it's flesh, it's that kind of stuff. And so God will put us in a situation to show us some of the junk that's going on that's under the surface that you and I really didn't realize was, was there. And God's saying because those things have to go to see your prophetic word fulfilled. 
you know, that unbelief is going to have to leave. That fear is going to have to go. That, you know, that presumption is going to have to go. Whatever it is, God will put his finger on it so that we can get free. Do you know that, um, you know how you measure a person's maturity? It's not how many Bible verses they can quote. It's not how many times they come to church a week. You measure a person's maturity by how much opposition it takes to discourage them. How much opposition does it take to discourage them? You know, I've seen people, they get just one little bit of not-so-happy news, and they're ready to throw in the towel and just quit. I'm thinking, that's it? That's all it took? That's it? You know? What does it take to discourage you? That shows you how mature you are, you know? How, you know, what does it take? One, one disappointment, two disappointments? You know, God is wanting to grow us up past some things. That's part of the reason that we are sometimes have a delay between a prophetic word being fulfilled is God is wanting to get us to where we're not the hothouse Christian, that we only believe when everything is perfect, but that we also have a heart to, okay, I can endure a little bit of a, little bit of a challenge here. Okay, I'm not going to just be ready to quit and throw in the towel. I'm going to stand. I want to endure. I'm going to press through some things. You know, we've got to learn to be overcomers, right? You know, the Bible says it's he that overcomes. Jesus promised rewards for those that overcome. Well, if we're an overcomer, that means we had to deal with some stuff. We had to walk over some things. We had to look past some things. Okay. In fulfilling our prophetic word, it's going to require perseverance. It's going to require patience on our part. You know, God will deliberately put us in an environment to develop perseverance and patience. Now, we have, we've joked around, you know, never pray for patience, you know, because patience is a fruit and it is grown, right? And how do you grow patience? You get put in situations or with people that are designed to grow patience in you, right? As much as we'd all love to just have hands laid upon us and instant patience, it doesn't work that way. It grows. And it's the same thing for the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. How do we grow in love, in joy? How do you, you say, I need more joy in my life? What kind of prayer is that, y'all? That means you're going to be put in a situation so that joy can rise up and overcome. Joy can flourish. There are a lot of people waiting for circumstances to change in their lives to be joyful. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, we can't cast that stuff away. We've got to hold on and cultivate the joy of the Lord, not just wait until we feel good. Amen? So perseverance and patience are needed to see our words fulfilled. And if we are good soldiers of Jesus Christ, we'll begin to understand there is a process involved that revelation is bringing confrontation. We're growing up. We're getting set free. Some things are being broken. Some things are being burned off. And we are becoming more and more occupied with Jesus. When the Lord is working on you and me, on our character issues, on our faith issues, fear, whatever kind of issue the Lord has put his finger on, you know, it's ultimately he's wanting us to be conformed to him. And so we look at him. He's our hero. He's our champion. He's the one that endured such, you know, hostility of sinners against himself, right? We haven't suffered like that, not to blood. But we have, we have been have been placed before us a champion and a hero who says, follow my example and live like me. And so we can look at every challenge that you and I face and say, okay, there's something in me that needs to conform and be a whole lot more like Jesus. A couple years ago, I was thinking about how much I wanted to be more like Jesus. And then it dawned on me one day that Jesus does a lot of forgiving. You want to be like Jesus? You're going to have to do a lot of forgiving. 
a lot of forgiving. Forgiving people that don't ask for it. Forgiving people that don't know they need it. It means forgiving them without even bringing it up. You know, a lot of times Jesus doesn't bring up the things that I need to forgive, that he needs to forgive me for. It's later, years later, I realize what I did. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, a lot of times we don't realize how much we offend the Lord. And it's years later, and he, then the Holy Spirit puts his finger on it and says, okay, this has got to go. It's time for it to change. You know, the same thing happens. We've got to give each other space to grow. You know what? Everybody in here is in a different place in the walk with the Lord. It's all different. So you know what? As I receive mercy and forgiveness from the Lord, I can also walk towards you in mercy and forgiveness, right? And some of the things that God is doing is he's working on developing that character in us to make us safe around other people, to where other people can, can trust us. You know, I was ministering to, uh, to someone uh, this past week, and, and uh, this individual had shared with me about how that um, they had kind of a rough childhood, and as a consequence, um, this person became rather confused sexually about who they were supposed to be, you know, a little confused there. And it made perfect sense to me once I heard the person's story because, you know, uh, you, sometimes people get kind of warped when they're, you know, they don't grow up with perfect love and they get kind of warped in some ways. And so, you know, as this person was sharing the story about, well, the Lord has come and has dressed and healed a lot of that, but it has been for a long time. There was a real internal struggle about who am I supposed to be sexually. And as we got to the end of the session, and as we were talking, this person said to me, you know, it's really nice to have a safe place where you can talk about something like that, not be judged, not have their finger pointed at you, and just, it's a safe place. And they were saying, you know, won't it be wonderful when one day the church is that kind of safe place? To where somebody could come in with any kind of an issue and feel that they're getting support and not pointing to the finger, you know. And I believe we're getting there. I believe there are pockets of that in lots of places. There are, there are small groups of pockets of where people trust and they feel that this is okay. But I believe that as the Lord is growing us up and we're becoming more and more conformed to him, that less and less judgmentalism will be coming from us, you know. We'll just see, you know what, Jesus died for sinners. Jesus died for sinners, right? No other kind. So therefore, let's support and let's help, you know, and what can we do to help a person get settled in some of these things, you know. Hallelujah. I just felt need to throw that in there. All right. So back to my notes somewhere. Okay. <laughs> we want to become like Jesus, yeah. Become like him. And and actually and and even as we're looking for the fulfillment of our prophetic word, we understand that the fulfillment of that word means a greater expression of Jesus in our lives. It's not just that you have a healing ministry. It's that Jesus' healing ministry gets, gets exposed and released. It's not just that you become prosperous. It's that Jesus' prosperity and generosity gets released through you and through me. Amen? Okay. Scripture says in Habakkuk 2, it's a familiar verse, 2 and 3, the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it upon tablets that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. The Lord has said that there, the vision, the revelation is for an appointed time. 
when you and I have received prophetic revelation or a dream or a vision, the Lord has spoken something He wants to do in our lives. It is projected into the future. Isn't that right? God says, I'm going to do a given thing. It's going to happen in your family, going to happen in your health, going to happen in your ministry, or wherever it's going to happen. But it is for an appointed time. The trouble is, you and I don't know when that appointed time is. Isn't that right? We think it's tomorrow afternoon. The appointed time may not be for quite some time. You know, it's like God had an appointed time for Abraham to father Isaac. It took a lot longer than what Abraham was thinking it was going to take. Anybody besides me ever found out that sometimes things take a lot longer than what you thought they were going to take? Yeah, we'd have surely thought by now, right? How many times have I said that? I'd have thought by now, I'd have thought by now. Well, guess what? God says there is an appointed time, and the vision will come. It will manifest, and is our part is to be cooperative with the process. That if God is saying, I have given you a revelation of what I want to do in your life, there is an appointed time I want that thing to be released, then our job is to say, okay, God, I'm going to cooperate with you as you put your fingers on things inside of me that have got to go, that have got to be adjusted or changed, so that that vision does manifest at the proper time. Amen? I don't want my prophecies postponed at all. I mean, I've gotten some good prophetic words, and I wish that they were already fulfilled, some of them, you know. But the ones that have yet to be fulfilled, praise God, I don't want to delay it because of an improper response to God's dealings in my own heart, all right? So, because, because there is a time coming when these things are going to fulfill, and God's going to deal with this, He's going to confront us, what kinds of things are going to be tested? What is God going to be looking at inside of each one of us that are going to have that our response is going to have an impact upon the fulfillment of our word? Well, there's going to be things like faith, for one thing. Faith gets tested, right? You believe the word of God, and then you go through a season to see, do you still believe? Do you still believe? Do you hold fast? Do you hold fast? And it may be a period of hours or days or weeks or months or years, but there is a demand that's being placed upon faith that, the, that we hold fast and we don't throw away the word. We don't throw away our confidence in God, right? Faith is tested. You know what else is tested? Humility is tested. God will test your humility. You know, sometimes we get a... A prophetic word that sounds like it's kind of puffing us up a little bit. And everybody comes around, well, you're the great, you know, this or that or the other thing, and get all puffed up. And you know what? The greater the word, the greater the work of humility that God is going to have to do on the inside of us. People who have worldwide ministries have been through tremendous breaking. They've been through tremendous, severe God dealing with pride and humility. You know, most of us are oblivious to the amount of pride that we have. You know, I've heard it said, you know, pride is like B.O. You don't know you've got it. <laughs> Everybody else does, but you don't know you've got it, okay? And it takes, it takes the Spirit of God to begin to expose us and show us to the things that are there. What else is going to be tested? A servant's heart. A servant's heart. You know, so many times we think, I'm a servant, and we sing the song, Lord, make me a servant. And uh, so many times what happens is, People say that and they mean that at the time until God starts treating them like a servant and then they start getting offended and aggravated. Nobody works as hard as I do around here. Nobody's as faithful as I am, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, God says, I thought you were a servant. You know what, Jesus, didn't Jesus tell us a parable about the sower? I mean, not the sower. He did tell that parable. But I meant the, the one about the servant. 
And he says, does the man, he has a servant, and the servant goes out and works all day. And when he comes in, he doesn't tell the servant, well, sit down, I'll fix your dinner first, I'll make it nice for you. What does he do? He gives him more work to do. You know, and sometimes that's what we have expected. I'll serve as long as I get rewarded, as long as I get noticed, as long as I get some perks, something. But you know what? That's not service. That's wages, right? That's wages. You know, our reward comes from heaven. It comes from the Lord. And if people, you know, if they want to acknowledge something that we've done, you know, praise God, that's wonderful. You know what? But you can't count upon it because we're not doing it for people. We're doing it as under the Lord. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, nobody appreciated it. Nobody appreciated what he was doing. Nobody had a clue what he was doing. Nobody knew. There are things, folks, that you and I do in secret that nobody knows but the Lord. And so we have to expect that the Lord is the one who gives the reward and not look to our reward from other people. If we look to other people for our reward, we're always going to be disappointed and we'll have room for offense. How many know the Bible says the arm of flesh will fail you? What does that mean? That means people are going to let you down. People are not going to be what you think they should be. They're going to disappoint you. They're not going to meet your expectations. That's just the facts of life. That's people. That's why we can't, get, we can't get caught up. It's a trap of the devil to get us caught up in that kind of offense. Instead, our service is unto the Lord. It's unto him. It's what he says. And he says, lay your life down. We lay our life down. Hallelujah. What else will be tested? Reliability under pressure. Reliability under pressure. You know, it's, it's funny how many people are reliable until difficulty comes. You know, we want to know who can you count on when times are tough, when times are hard. You know, there's the, added, there's the, uh, the phrase, fair-weather friends. I think we've all had some fair-weather friends, right? Some people who showed up as long as things were good. But when things got tough, where were they? Where were they? You know? Reliability under pressure. The Lord will test us to see if we are going to give up, if we're going to quit, if we're going to bail, or if we're going to keep our word. The Bible says in the Psalms that a, a, an upright man, who is that? Is one who swears to his own hurt and changes not. What does that mean? That means when you make a promise, even if it costs you something, you keep the word that you made. You don't make excuses for it and break it. You just keep the promise that you've made. What else is going to be tested is truthfulness and purity. Truthfulness and purity is tested. When the word is coming, God has given you a word, and then he is requiring a new level of honesty, of truth. The Bible says he desires truth in the inward parts. And sometimes that truthfulness is we have to start telling ourselves the truth. Those are eye-opening conversations that we have. When we blow away all the delusion and the illusion and start acknowledging the truth of our lives, the truth of what we feel, of what we believe. There's been times before I've thought, you know, let's be honest here. I feel terrible. I hate this feeling that I'm having, but I am having it. You know, I thought I, I hate feeling offended. I hate feeling envious. I hate feeling all those things. But sometimes you've got to face up to it and say, you know what, but I do feel that way. And so, God, I've got I to gotta get this straight with you and with me. You know, I can't go to people if I hadn't got this thing straight. I need to get all that stuff right. Truthfulness and purity. 
Also, what's going to be tested is leadership or ministry ability. Leadership or ministry ability, you know. There are some things, we make mistakes, folks. Everybody makes mistakes. You get a prophetic word from God, and God's going to use you to be a wonderful counselor and set the captives free, and then you give some bad advice, <laughs> you know. You, you advise people something that doesn't go well, and then people are all mad and everything, and you learn by the mistakes that you make. You know, so many of us, we don't want to learn by mistakes, but you know what every one of us is supposed to. I made loads of mistakes. So what? So have you. You know what? Rather than, you know, let's not feel bad about it, let's try to learn from these things. You know, let's say, okay, life goes on. I made a mistake. What can I learn from it? And, you know, how can I not do that again? Let's do something else. All right? Also, what will be tested? Your capacity to endure stress in warfare. <laughs> the capacity to endure stress in warfare. When warfare comes, that's when the enemy is trying to get you to back off, to let go, to walk away, to quit, to be negative, to be discouraged, to be fearful. When the enemy comes with those kinds of things, our, our capacity to endure that kind of stress, do you still have a song in your heart? Is your heart or your arms still open to people, you know? Are you, are, are you able to give praise and glory to God when it looks bad, when things look like they're not going the way they're supposed to? Or is there a place in your heart that's given into panic or given into other kind of negative expression? Can you endure stress and warfare? As I said, you know, some people, I, I've been amazed at what it takes to knock them out. You know, it's like, let's learn to endure a couple of things. You know, God told me years ago he was going to give me warriors. And I had a little picture of Klingons, you know, Klingon mm. warriors. Do you know, Klingon warriors learn to overcome some things. You know, in the Star, you know, the Star Trek, you know, legend, the Klingons were some of the fiercest warriors that were out there. And they were all, let's go for it, you know. And what type of a warrior is that in the realm of the spirit? If we talk about Christians, what kind of an attitude is that? That's somebody that doesn't give up easily. That's somebody that doesn't quit. That's somebody that gets back up and fights another day and decides it's a good thing to die in battle. Isn't that what the Klingon said? It's good to, honorable or good to die in battle or something, you know? But I've seen too many Christians, they just cut and run. You know, things get tough. People start bad-mouthing and talking. Division comes in. Controversy comes in. And people, where do they go? Where's those faithful ones that were going to stand? No, they cut and run. You know what, God is saying it's time to have some people come together and learn to endure some things. You know what, you're going to be mis misunderstood. You're going to be misunderstood and you're going to let people down, not even intentionally. It's going to happen. Can you deal with it? You know, you can't run around, you know, I can't help it if people misunderstand me. I can't help it if they misjudge me. i got to just get my heart right before God, you know, and let God sort that out. Let him deal with me, let him deal with them and whatever. And let's, test our, let's get our own hearts right. Also, what's going to be tested is the ability to learn from your mistakes. <laughs> I'm amazed at how many times people don't. It's like, let's learn from our mistakes. You know, I, I feel like that I really get encouragement when I talk to people, and particularly people that I've known for several years, and are able to have that perspective to look back and say, you know, I learned some things from that situation. 
I learn from that negative thing. And every negative thing that you and I have experienced, you know, it's not, it's not a total waste if we learn something in the middle of it, right? But I've known some people have been through painful, tragic things, but they never learned a thing. Guess what? That's, that's not going to help you in the days ahead. You and I need to be able to learn from the mistakes of the past. What do you think Joseph learned after he got thrown in prison? What do you think he learned? I think one thing he learned was not to pop his mouth off to everybody. I think so. I mean, sometimes haven't we learned that it's our mouth the thing that gets us in trouble? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what can, what can we look back and say, okay, I've learned some things. I've matured past some things. All right. Another thing that we'll be tested in is conformity to his love, kindness, grace, and mercy. Everything that's not like Jesus is going to be brought up by the Holy Spirit. You and I get critical, or we get judgmental, we get fearful. We get those kinds of attitudes and things come up. You know, the Spirit of God is going to put his finger on it. He puts his finger on pride. Puts his finger on, on these types of things. And says, it's not like me. You know, you want to you get your feelings hurt, and you want to pout, and you want to, you know, snub and act ugly and pick up your toys and go home. And the Lord says, that's not being like me. That's not forgiving. Because you know what? God sends his, his reign on the just and the unjust. He's good to people that are mean to him. He's good to people that hate him. Isn't that right? Guess what? We're also required if we're going to be conformed to the image of Jesus, to be good to people who have mistreated us, all right? And to not hold anything in our hearts against them. A lot of times when we are waiting for a prophetic word to be fulfilled, God's dealing with our hearts, we're dealing with some of these things, and we get frustrated sometimes. Gosh, you know, it's, it's been a month, it's been a year, it's been five years. I didn't know it was going to take this long. And a lot of times we get frustrated while we're waiting for that appointed time. You know that God's got a purpose in your frustration? The enemy's got a purpose in your frustration too. But God's purpose in frustration is to cause you and me to dig our heels in deeper and to move into a place of prayer and intercession and to know the Lord. Frustration is meant to drive us to our knees in the Lord's presence. It's meant to, to cause us to cling close to the Lord and adhere to the word he has spoken and adhere to his character. Now, it can be used by the enemy. Frustration can be used by the enemy to provoke strife and division, negativity and destruction. You know, we've seen that. People get frustrated because it hasn't happened, it hasn't happened, it hasn't happened. So instead of diving into God and getting a hold of God and praying and pressing in, people start bad-mouthing, fussing, complaining, getting negative and all that kind of stuff. All that does is, is further the work of the enemy. And if frustration is meant to make us more like Jesus, understand that every test that God puts us in is meant to make us like him, to move us closer to being like Jesus. In times of frustration, conflict is inevitable if we are not focused on God's purpose. If you and I cannot look past and see what is God doing in the midst of this challenging time, then we're going to get in fights with one another. I mean, I think that's true, all right? What does the Bible say? It says, Jesus, it said, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, right? Jesus could stay on purpose and get through his current struggles and difficulty because he kept focused upon what God was doing. 
He knew what God was doing when nobody else did. So when you and I get frustrated, well, God, it hasn't happened yet. I don't understand what's going on. You know, we can get so aggravated with one another that we'll get in fights instead of saying, God, what are you after? What are you wanting to do? What is your purpose in this? You know, when people get frustrated, it's because they care, right? You ever get frustrated with somebody you care about? Of course you have. Human nature, right? You get frustrated because you care. If you didn't care, you blow them off and you go on about your business, right? But you care, that's why it bothers you so much. You got your prophetic word and you want that thing to manifest. And it bugs you that it hasn't because you want it to happen, right? That frustration is meant to drive you to your knees, not to blame the one that gave you the word, <laughs> not to blame that church, that person, that, you know, the economy, all that stuff. You know what, folks? In every place of frustration, let's just go to the Lord with it and say, what is he after in the midst of us? How many people are getting frustrated with gas prices these days? Everybody getting frustrated with gas prices. Do you know what? It's all relative. It's all relative. You know, I read a story the other day that said a guy, um, because of the way the dollar has fallen, the economy, that a lot of people from other parts of the world are coming over here for vacations and stuff. I mean, nobody's going over there right now because it's the prices is so high, right? But because, you know, the dollar's devalued so they can get more for their money, so they're coming over here. And I read a story the other day about a guy from Germany who was going to, he was renting a 56 Cadillac or something and was taking a drive across the country for his vacation. And to him, $3, $3.50 a gallon was a, was a bargain because he's used to paying $8 a gallon for gas. So for him to come here, hey, he was happy to pay three-something. You see, it all depends upon your perspective, right? He was thrilled at $3. You and I are wishing it was back to $3 now, aren't we? Like, goodness gracious. Frustration, though, when you're waiting for your word to come to pass, is a time, frustration is a test to determine faithfulness and attitude. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You know, everybody gets through the day but not everybody gets through the day well. Some people get through the day whining and complaining, fussing and fighting. Other people get through the day in faith and giving glory to God. You know that we can determine how we want to live? You can live in fear if you want to. You can live in offense if you want to. We can live free from all that junk. I choose freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who is shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus 
and will present us with you. How about that? This is the man of faith and power. And look at what he says. Look at his perspective about all of the trouble that he's having. He says this is so that God can get glory out of us. He says we are afflicted, but we're not crushed. We're struck down. We're not destroyed. We are pressing through every challenge, every difficult, painful thing in our lives. And we are having things broken in us as a result. You know, when you go through some hard-breaking things, it changes you. Jacob got up from the wrestling with the angel. He walked with the limp, right? There are some dealings that you and I have with the Lord that will bring a change on the inside. They will soften us. They will expand us. They will break pride. They will remove fear. There are things that God will do on the inside of us to transform us and change us by his dealings. So whatever situation that you and I are currently facing or are about to face, why don't we look and see what God's after? God allowed it, right? He may not have caused it, but he definitely allowed it. Why did he allow it? Because he's after something. He's after something. So many times we just wanted to fuss and complain and not understand, God, what are you after in the midst of this? When we, are, we have revelation... And then God begins to confront issues in us. You know what? The warfare intensifies. Sometimes it feels like all hell broke loose in your life. And what happened? When all hell breaks loose, what's it mean? It means God's after something. Let's find out what he wants and give it to him. (laughs) Maybe he wants humility. Maybe he wants faithfulness. Maybe he wants loyalty. Maybe I don't know. What does he want? Let's find out, God, what are you after so I can give it to you? When he gets what he wants out of us, the situation will change. You don't have to go around the lap one more time, all right? When, when trouble and difficulty are coming, when warfare increases, all kinds of carnality starts to surface on the inside of us. Things like immaturity, strife, envy, pride begin to surface. Resentment, criticism, ambition. These things that begin to surface, and when God is revealing them, it's so that we can deal with the roots of them and get rid of them. Amen? Amen. Let's give God what he wants. You know, the enemy has got three major strategies that he uses against us in, for, in, to keep us from moving forward in our prophetic word. And they are infiltration, depression, and passivity. And what the enemy does is he comes in and he wants to infiltrate. He starts trying to divide and conquer. He works to split marriages. He works to split key relationships. How many of you have ever had a key person in your life taken out? I have. And it was nothing but the devil. Seeking to destroy covenant relationships, key relationships. There have been times I have felt very strongly the Lord was showing me that the enemy was working overtime trying to split and carve people out of my life. And in those situations, like you just hang in there and do what you know to do and pray and believe God. Because I have seen I have seen the devil take people out that were not supposed to be taken out. You know, and you have too, I'm sure. So there is a, it's the, the principle of divide and conquer, which the devil has used successfully for thousands of years. And so what happens is he, he seeks to divide key relationships. People start getting into power struggles. They start holding grudges. They get into unforgiveness. They have hidden agendas. And many times it's coated with veneer of spirituality to where it's not really as ugly as it seems. You know, a veneer of spirituality that says, well, you know, 
It's just God's doing something different with me these days. God's called me to a different place. You know, much of the time, that's a cover-up for a grudge. That's a cover-up for a power struggle. It's a cover-up for something else. You know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, try to support somebody in ministry, be there for them, willing to, you know, do what I can to make it happen for them. And then, no, 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 God's told me something else. God's told me something else. I, okay, okay. You know, whatever, whatever you want to believe, right? So, therefore, we've got to insist on forgiveness, inner healing, restoration. We have got to get rid of our junk. When you and I are, are feeling these pressures of strife, of division, that's why you and I have got to go to the Lord and get healed of our stuff. You know, so much time we want to blame the other person. Well, it's him, it's her, it's the way they treated me, it's the way they did this or that. And meanwhile, what God says, no, it's not them. It's the thing inside of you, the thing inside of you that wants to get offended, the thing inside of you that doesn't want to believe, you know. Jesus said the devil had nothing in him. You know, as, as much as, as people persecuted and harassed him, he never took on that spirit of offense, right? All right. The devil also, after infiltration, uses depression. When, those, when we listen to those lying words and the enemy comes in and causes offenses and problems, then after a while, people start getting tired of the struggle and they start getting into a place of depression and pain. And it's, work, it's just too much work. And it's sometimes it's like, I don't want to believe these prophecies anymore. I don't believe it's going to happen anymore because it's taken too long. It's too difficult. It's too painful. It's too whatever. And you know what? The devil is just trying to get us to quit. And that's the third thing is he gets us into passivity to get where people just quit. I don't believe in that anymore. I don't believe in prophecy anymore. I don't believe in God anymore. I don't believe in miracles anymore. You know what people start doing? They start missing church. They stop showing up on time. They stop having anything good to say about what God's doing in their lives. And the goal of the devil is to get people to completely cut ties with God, with faith, with everybody in their lives, is to, to divide and conquer. You know what? God has strategies too. When the enemy is coming to infiltrate, depress, and bring passivity, God has an antidote for that. And God wants us to enter into a place of communion with him. Every one of these challenges is meant to drive us to our knees to get with God and let him bring out whatever needs to bring out and, and heal and deliver us from whatever needs to happen. You know, it's communion with God. The Bible says in Romans that we are to present our bodies a living and holy sac sacrifice acceptable to God. And when you and I are in that place of waiting for fulfillment, let's get before him and say, God, I'm just going to offer this to you. It's a sacrifice to you. It's a sacrifice for me to overlook an offense. It's a sacrifice for me to not walk in fear. It's a sacrifice for me to believe you in spite of all of these negative situations and just present ourselves before the Lord. You know, God is pleased with such sacrifices that we're choosing him and to believe him. Also, God has a strategy that also involves covenant to the house that our covenant is with one another. You know, we live in a time where people are breaking covenant left and right. And even those who are staying in a former relationship, but there's no heart covenant there any longer. God is after bringing us to stronger covenant relationships with one another and to where we are, have strengthened our existing friendships and then we are also opening up our friendships to new people. God's going to bring more people into our, into our lives, right? 
So as he's going to do that, that's also going to drive us back to our knees because some of us, are, you know, we don't like a lot of people in our lives. Some of us are kind of loners and we just kind of like to be left alone. Guess what? That's not Bible. You have to get over it. You know, some people are very outgoing. It's fine for them. But, you know, God has wanted all of us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And that means that we've got to extend our circle of friendships to other people to invite them in. It means that we've also got to walk towards one another in love and to not believe everything the devil says. Not to believe every spirit of accusation that comes. But again, to trust one another and trust God in one another. And to be open and real with one another. Amen. And the third strategy the Lord has is to, is to maintain commitment to the leadership. The spirit of accusation comes against leaders in a way that is usually private and secret. Usually most people do not know the accusations that are coming against leadership. Most people are usually just consumed with their own stuff, you know. They don't think about, you know, what their leaders may be going through. But understand that even when you are in distress, that probably means your leaders are also in distress too and probably even more so. When Moses was out there holding up his hands so that the battle could be won, you know, it was Aaron and her recognized the stress their leader was under. And what did they do? They came over, set him down a rock, and held up his hands so that he could continue doing what he was doing. Right? They were committed to their leaders so that the vision was fulfilled. You know, the fulfillment of our prophetic words is going to be in context. It's going to be involved with communion with God, commitment, commitment to our relationships, and commitment to the leaders that God's placed in our lives. It's not going to be fulfilled apart from those. You know, that's something that we need to understand. It's the truth. You know, when God says he wants to do a thing in our lives, he's inviting us to greater intimacy with him. He's inviting us to come to get in his face and to know him. He's also inviting us to be more real, more open and honest, and more committed in our relationships with one another, the people that he has put into our lives. You know, the Bible says that we've been raised together to be a holy habitation right, for the Lord, that we are living stones, we've been fitted and put together by the Lord to be a holy habitation to the Lord. It's not to be an individual habitation, but it's to be a joint habitation for the Lord. And so that's why the Lord is always going to be putting his fingers on the relationship aspects of our lives too, that these must be open, they must be honest, we must treat them as precious, and to monitor, to maintain and build those, strengthen those friendships, right? So that together, because we understand, why are we all here tonight? Why are we here in this same location? Because God has called us together for a purpose of God. I, what do we have in common? What we have in common is purpose in God, right? I mean, we come from different backgrounds, from different whatever, but God calls us together for a specific purpose, and that purpose is together. And so, therefore, we've got we to gotta work on this thing. This thing's got to be strengthened. These relationships have got to be strengthened. They've got to be more honest, more open, and more inclusive of other people, right? It's no longer I can be off by myself somewhere. No, the very reason we are together is because God has pulled us together. Amen. How many know there are key people in our lives that are sent there by Almighty God, right? Every last one of us have key people that God has put in our lives, and we have been put in other people's lives. And we need to know what's the purpose that God has called us together. What's He after? What's He want? You know, let's pray about that, all right? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord God, that we begin to have some understanding about what it is that you're after in our lives. That, God, when you have spoken those prophetic words, you've given us those wonderful dreams, those wonderful visions. 
And Lord, as we're in the not yet place of seeing those things fulfilled, help us understand, Lord God, what you're working on so that we may give you what you're after. Hallelujah. Give you what you're after. And Lord God, that we understand the context of the relationships that you've given us. Hallelujah. I ask you, Lord God, that you give us the ability, Lord God, give us the grace to overlook an offense. Give us the grace, Lord God, to forgive, to release, to put aside our fears, our pride, our ambition, our mindsets. And Lord, give us the grace, Lord, to see what you're doing in our midst to change us to becoming more like Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord God, we want to be more like you. We want to be conformed to your image. And I pray, Lord God, that we'd not be kicking against you, fussing and fighting against you when you're trying to bring change. Lord Jesus, you told Paul it was hard for him to kick against the pricks. You were trying to do something in his life, and he was resisting. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you give us the, the insight and understanding into areas where we may be resisting you, places where we might be resisting the process that that revelation is bringing. And I pray, Lord God, for every last one of us that we would pass our test, that we'd not allow the enemy to come in, to separate us, to divide us, to cause us to become apathetic or divisive or strifeful. But Lord God, that we walk in love towards one another and we will see the vision fulfilled. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia 23328. Thank you.